In conclusion, this book, while excellent in its analysis overall, is to bring together the theories and methods of two different fields of study, social history, detailed enough so that more seasoned researchers will find I'm Robert Casanello. I'm the Vice President of Research and Publications at HNET, and this is the Art of the Review podcast. I'm Yelena Kalinsky, Managing Editor of HNET Reviews. And this is a podcast where we examine reviewing and criticism as an academic form. This podcast is brought to you by HNET and the University of Central Florida's Center for Humanities and Digital Research. Welcome to the Art of the Review podcast. Welcome to this episode of the Art of the Review. And in this episode, we are going to look at um, the culture of reviewing. This episode was inspired by a previous episode. That's right. Episode six, we talked about professionalism in tone. Yeah. And th this was the episode, for those of you who, who might not remember right away, where we looked at the the reviewer who did a review of a book on the Holocaust, and this specific reviewer was located out of the United Kingdom, and the tone of the review was, was harsh, and I know Yelena and I, we both went back and forth about um, you know whether the review might or might not have been appropriate and such, and we brought my colleague in, uh, Vladimir Solinari, who was trained and... Um, you know, became a scholar in Europe, and for him, the review wasn't so harsh. So, you know, what what do you think that tells us, Yelena, about a possible um, reviewing culture between Europe and the uh, and North America? Really, this is something that I think that we see on the different networks, um, and this came up in your conversations with some of the uh, review editors who are either based in the UK or work uh, on topics that uh, involve reviewers from other countries. Right. Yeah, we have quite a few reviewers and review editors that are located in Europe. And so we were kind of questioned, you know, what is what is it about review cult, reviewing culture, you know, um, on I guess on each side of the Atlantic, uh, to put it kind of uh, broadly here. And so one of the people I, re I interviewed was um, Michael Munich, and he is a lecturer in social science theory and methods at Cardiff University. And he actually... Um, He's from Canada, but he was trained and now is working in the UK. And so he agreed to talk to me a little bit about um, review culture and how review culture is different in the UK than it is in North America. That's right. He's the review editor of HSAE, which is the Society for the Anthropology of Europe. And so um, he's bridging. He's, he's both works on anthropological methods and uh, he's working with European reviewers. Let's queue up his interview and listen to it now then. So, Michael, um, we had talked a little bit about, I guess, for lack of a better term, maybe it's reviewing culture, the differences between reviewing culture in the U.K. and the U.S. And can you tell me a little bit about your experience? Because I know you kind of straddle uh, both geographies. So do you see a difference in, in the way reviews are um, are written or the, the tone of the reviews in the UK versus those in, in North America? Yeah, I really have. And it's something that I think can be mapped out among other parts of the culture too, like culture in seminars, um, uh, asking questions, of giving a paper, and then maybe the expectations about how scholarship as a whole is put together. Uh, but there's a real insistence on being uh, sharply critical, not suffering fools, and really getting into uh, something sharp to say, even if you are on the whole very favorably disposed to what you're reading, 
uh, there seems to be an expectation uh, to, to come at it a bit more crisply. Um, I might have been influenced by that because when I'm commissioning reviews from reviewers, I definitely encourage them rather than doing a step-by-step, chapter-by-chapter summary of the book. I say we're less interested in, in everything that chapter two and three and four and five and six tells us, but what is the thesis of the book and how do you feel about it? What do you like? What do you disagree with? Give examples of why. And, and so where do you think this, this comes from, this, this uh, I guess, more critical eye in UK academic culture? Well, I think that the, the academic culture is older here, uh, just at a historical level, and that may have something to do just with uh, uh, traditions that they have gone past. There have been enough conversations that they don't feel they need to start at the level of introduction all the time. Um, and maybe as well, it is geographically small. So personalities get to know each other better, uh, less of a proliferation of universities. Up until more recently, there were very few. And so you'd be seeing the same scholars over and over again. And so maybe that creates that idea of steel sharpening steel or something like that. Uh, or you're throwing yourself in a conversation that's already been, in some sense, ongoing. Um, there is as well an idea, um, there's a stereotype that North Americans hold, and as a Canadian I will say that I certainly have, you know, was given that myself growing up, uh, of the erudite Brit, uh, who's very smart and knows lots of things and has that very broad Catholic education, you know. Um, and so there may be a bit of a demonstration of that going on, a bit of a performance. Uh, to give you another example that's close to my heart but not related to book reviews, I used to work as a broadcast journalist. I worked for CBC for several years in current affairs and radio. And the difference between the programs that I worked on and listened to in Canada versus what I would be hearing from programming in the BBC was uh, a far more aggressive tone from the part of the interviewer. There was always some element of accountability as though to demonstrate why we're doing this interview at all, even if it's interesting and engaging and doesn't need to be approached it that way. There was this need to somehow catch catch an element of accountability to it. Uh, the interviews were shorter and they were sharper, and I found it a bit sometimes interfering with your ability to just enter into the space and understand what this particular guest was telling you. Um, I won't say that the, the reviews that I, I read or commission are, are unnecessarily brutal. I hope that everyone's being very sound to their colleagues uh, and fair, uh, but there is still a, um, a sharpness of tone uh, a desire to, to, to cut through the faff and get to the meat of things. So as a review editor, did, did it ever think, did, do you feel like you're negotiating both uh, <laughs> scholars on both continents here in any way? Very much. I mean, I, I am because, again, um, I work with a, call, a community of anthropologists dealing with Europe as a context, and so there will be Americans from American universities or housed at you know, UK and European universities who are studying this material, but there will also then be people from these places. And if they aren't themselves uh, British speaking in English, they may have been learning their English through uh, a British rather than American academic culture. So I deal with reviewers on both sides of that divide. And, um, you know, there is also the experience of, experience at the end of things. You know, when someone is earlier in their academic career, they still need to be, I think, encouraged to pull up a little bit more and, and, and engage more critically with the book that they're reviewing. But I can say that, that at a very unscientific level, that is a distinction that I would say between the reviewers I receive uh, in terms of their broad 
the culture they're coming from. Well, great. I want to thank you for joining me again today. Oh, you're very welcome. Great. Well, Michael really takes uh, an anthropological lens to this issue, doesn't he, Robert? Yeah, yeah. It was it was a great interview. I I, I mean, I, I didn't under, you know I didn't know a lot of the things that, that that he suggested, but I always had a hint that that was the case. So it was great to to hear some confirmation of that. And you talked to somebody else about this, also. Yeah, I did. I talked to um, Jim Neeson, who is the world his, history uh, librarian at Rutgers University, who gave me a, a, a sort of similar story, but, you know, his experience was in Germany. Yeah, that's right. I think Jim was a former review editor at Habsburg, um, the the network for Habsburg studies. Um, and one thing that readers or listeners might want to listen out for is he mentioned something called Ha Sotzenkult, which is H. Sazkult, which are our partners in Germany, and they are kind of the, the German equivalent for HNET uh, for historians based in Germany. Okay, let's listen to Jim's interview now. Jim, one of the things that you'd mentioned to me was this idea of, um, of a, a reviewing culture, and you specifically mentioned um, it in, I guess, at, at a lack of, of better words, maybe a within the context of, of a national academic uh, scope. So people who do reviews in Germany, you'd notice that their tone and things are much different than reviewers in the U.S. Can, can you tell me a little bit about that? Yes. Um, in North America, uh, ad hominem is a no-no. We don't want to uh, bring the person of the, uh, of the author too much into the treatment of the author's book. Um, and... Sometimes in the re- German language reviews that were distributed in Hazelts and Quilt, uh, I wondered whether a line had been crossed in uh, not necessarily attacking the person, but using irony uh, or, or using um, a robust form of criticism um, that didn't bother my colleagues editing for Hazelts and Quilt. And I had occasion to, when I was traveling in Europe, to meet with their very impressive uh, colleagues at, uh, in Berlin who were working and still working on Hauswitz and Quilt. And, and uh, I was really uh, bringing this issue to them, and they were kind of puzzled by my concern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean... I think I know exactly what you're talking about because there was a, a case that came before me as um, from a person who was featured in a review by a European reviewer, and they felt that it was, you know, that, that the attack was sort of um, vicious in nature. And when I talked to the advisory board of the network that commissioned the review, they said, oh, no, this is just the way people do reviews in Europe. And it was sort of just kind of shrugged off. <laughs> There's another aspect of the reviewing culture that was different, which is um, it is often the case in European historical journals that uh, a reviewer will submit an unsolicited review or an editor will propose a book for review and say, oh, by the way, I could do that review. Uh, and and we've really discouraged that in North American HNET. Uh, we want the review editor to um, to compose the, the, the list of books to be reviewed and 
and find a reviewer without being nudged in the direction of a particular person. Uh, but um, I think uh, the colleagues in Berlin have not seen any much problem with the reviewer coming forward with a with a review or or with a title of books that the reviewer ought, says ought to be reviewed and and the facts speak for themselves that Hauzolz und Kuhl reviews a lot of books and I've heard it said well if we're producing a lot of reviews of books that are not being reviewed anywhere else then isn't that valuable Sure, sure. And I guess just to cl to clarify for uh, listeners, you know, the, I guess the the reason that HNet and other um, outlets do not follow the practice of allowing people to self commission <laughs> books is because you know that there's the danger of there there being an inherent bias, right, either positive or negative, yeah. towards the book that that would not be disclosed in the offer to review said book, right. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, uh, thanks for sharing this with me, uh, Jim. I really appreciate it. Okay. Well, that was terrific. Listeners can find reviews like these at the Art of the Review show notes blog on the H-Podcast Network, which is networks.hnet.org slash h-podcast.